Welcome to AMD on the Hill, your opportunity to keep up with the latest policy and advocacy news from the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine. AMD on the Hill is produced in association with AMD on the Go and available on the same podcast channel. Support for this podcast is brought to you by U.S. Post-Acute Care. And now here is your host for AMD on the Hill, Alex Bardock. Hello and welcome to AMD on the Hill. Uh, your periodic update on AMDA's public policy and advocacy activities. My name is Alex Bardock and I'm the Director of Policy and Advocacy here at AMDA. Uh, as usual, I just want to um, take, a, a, take some time to update you on what's been going on with AMDA's advocacy activities over the last uh, several weeks. Uh, and it has it sort of has been the case over the last year and a half. I'm going to start with uh, where we are with COVID. Um, and unfortunately, I the news is, is not as, as good as uh, we would have liked. Uh, the spread of the variant, the Delta variant, has of course um, impacted nursing facilities as well. Uh, in speaking with our members, we're hearing that uh, there is an uptick in cases uh, in nursing facilities yet again, uh, mostly due to the fact that um, in the community there are uh, spikes uh, due to the variant and due to the fact that in parts of the country there are low vaccination rates and we continue to battle uh, vaccine hesitancy uh, and figure out ways to ensure that we're vaccinating uh, both staff and residents to the point uh, where we can continue safely uh, for this vulnerable population. Um, talking about this issue uh, is about a week or so ago, AMDA uh, signed on with seven other organizations uh, in a strong statement urging mandatory vaccinations in all healthcare facilities, uh, of course, including nursing facilities, we are hearing that there are organizations that are moving along that route uh, to mandate um, vaccines for healthcare workers. Of course, this is a um, not an easy issue to solve, uh, but uh, we believe that it is of utmost importance to continue vaccination and to increase vaccination rates so that we don't see a return um, to what we saw in the fall or even a year ago. Uh, this is a population that is still very vulnerable. We are hearing of increased infections, even among the vaccinated. Uh, and so we need to ensure that we're uh, keeping uh, COVID out of uh, facilities and therefore vaccinations is one of the uh, keys um, to that effort. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we have been discussing the potential of booster shots um, in facilities. Uh, the need for booster shots. Uh, it is unclear. We have not heard uh, specific guidance from CDC or CMS, uh, although we continue to have uh, ongoing communication with uh, both agencies. Uh, but we expect that we will hear something um, around this issue, especially uh, as the number of variants and the impact of variants continues to grow. Um, so this is an issue, as we mentioned before, that is unfortunately not going away, and especially in nursing facilities, we continue to be vigilant about what all of this means um, uh, and how we move forward. Um, I think that is the, the biggest news. If you want to access the statement, it is available on our uh, COVID page uh, and on our website. I strongly urge you to, to look at that and, and think about what that means uh, in your organizations um, in terms of mandatory vaccinations. Uh, I think that is sort of the highlight uh, for COVID right now, uh, and hopefully we'll uh, you know, we'll continue to get better. 
Um, I want to highlight a couple other areas that are of importance that have happened over the last several weeks, uh, one of which is the release of the annual physician fee schedule. Uh, this is the uh, regulation that essentially provides payment updates uh, for uh, physician services in various healthcare settings, of course, including uh, nursing home services and sets uh, other policies in place, such as the quality payment program, telehealth, uh, and many, many other areas. Uh, to begin on the payment uh, side of things, uh, if you recall a year ago, uh, to provide context, a year ago, uh, nursing facility services were slated to be cut about 10% or so uh, due to the changes in conversion factor, um, uh, due to increases in office-based codes and another code that was proposed by CMS. Uh, AMDA's strong advocacy with its help of its members helped eliminate that cut uh, by legislation at the end of last year in December which provided a 3.75% uh, increase of money into the physician fee schedule. Uh, that money was available for one year. Uh, and of course, now uh, in this physician fee schedule, it is scheduled to run out, which essentially means that, uh, again, we are facing uh, a cut in the conversion factor, which means that uh, at the end of the day, nursing home services are slated to be cut for um, calendar year 2022 about uh, three to 5%, depending on the code. Um, that's, you know, in, in real dollars, that's, you know, a couple of dollars per code, but obviously any uh, decrease is uh, something we are not happy about. Uh, and we will be talking to Congress and, and working with our um, physician uh, organization partners to address the issue. Uh, I will tell you that um, we continue to address the changes in evaluation and management services, including nursing homes. And we anticipate that there will be more changes to come, uh, hopefully positive changes uh, next year. Uh, but in the meantime, we will be uh, tackling this issue head on as we did a year ago. And we may be ca uh, calling on all of you uh, to help us uh, contact your members uh, and address this uh, issue legislatively. Uh, and other uh, updates on um, telehealth. Uh, CMS in its press release uh, talked a lot about extending flexibilities that it has provided through these waivers of the last year and a half uh, into 2023 to sort of, um, I guess, assess uh, how well uh, we're doing with this expansion in, in telehealth. Um, I want to note that that expand that that. Uh, extension to 2023 does not apply to all codes. And so if you dig a little bit deeper into the physician fee schedule, I want to make a couple of things a little bit more clear. Uh, the For the nursing home codes, the initial visits 99304, 99306 uh, in this rule are proposed not to be added to the telehealth list. What that means uh, is that once the public health emergency is over, um, you will not be able to bill uh, initial visits uh, via telehealth uh, so for nursing homes. So again, the fact that they're extending other flexibilities does not mean that it, they are for nursing homes. In addition, for the subsequent care codes, uh, if you recall a year ago, they uh, CMS proposed and finalized a policy to limit the use of subsequent care codes via telehealth to once every 14 days. That again does not change in this rule. Once the public health emergency is over, uh, you will be limited to billing the subsequent care codes once every 14 days. Um, speaking of the public health emergency, because your natural question would be, well, when, when is it gonna be over? Uh, it actually was just extended for another 90 days. I believe it was scheduled to run out on July 18th. And it was extended for another 90 days 
this administration has signaled that it anticipates that uh, public health emergency will last through the end of the year at least. Uh, and as we talked about with the variants and the sort of the spikes around the country, we don't anticipate that to change. I, I do anticipate that it will last uh, to the end of the year. Uh, so that means at least until uh, this public health emergency is over, you can bill telehealth codes uh, as often as you'd like uh, and the flexibilities remain in place. Uh, but again, once it is over and, and you know, there, I'm sure there will be an announcement, uh, there are some codes will be limited in the way that you bill telehealth. Uh, it's an issue we've been trying to address uh, both administratively on and on Capitol Hill. We have legislation that will actually provide uh, separate payment for telehealth services in, in more of a demonstration fashion. Uh, and hopefully we can continue to um, speak with CMS and provide evidence of positive outcomes for telehealth and provide some guidance to you all uh, on how to effectively use telehealth. Um, our telehealth work group has been very busy uh, looking at uh, various use cases of, of telehealth implementation to help um, all of you to, you know, if, if you have not started this, if this is still sort of a foreign concept or um, you're not sure where to go, how to start, how, how complicated it, it can be, uh, hopefully this um, uh, product uh, that we're providing or this tool, I should say, that we're providing um, will be um, helpful to you all. And now a word from our sponsor, from U.S. Post-Acute Care. And now a word from our sponsor, from U.S. Post-Acute Care. And now a word from our sponsor, U.S. Post-Acute Care. Let's talk for a minute about goals of care conversations. Now more than ever, post-acute clinicians should initiate these discussions with their patients. At U.S. Post-Acute Care, our clinical team is committed to regular goals of care conversations with each seriously ill patient. We help our patients to think through their goals and express what's most important to them. Now we can develop a care plan that aligns with their goals and their values. Using a technique first developed by Ariadne Labs, these structured conversations have shown meaningful improvements in the quality, cost, and effectiveness of care. Our chief medical officer, Dr. Kevin Henning, is highly committed to making the goals of care conversation a foundation of effective care for our clinical team. At US Post-Acute Care, that's what we think. Now we'd like to know what you think. You can reach us at uspostacutecare.com or on LinkedIn, and Dr. Henning will be happy to respond. Thanks for listening. Uh, there are other changes in the, in the proposed physician fee schedule. Uh, the quality payment program uh, under MACRA continues to move forward. Uh, CMS is, is proposing some wholesale changes down the road. Uh, they are uh, moving toward what they're calling um, value pathways, uh, which are going to be a little bit different way of reporting than what you're used to. However, that may not happen for quite some time. They are proposing a few of these value pathways over the next couple of years. Um, but, you know, sort of the traditional way of the categories and if you're used to the MIPS program still remains in place. However, they are planning to sunset that uh, by 2027. Uh, we are um, hoping in the same vein on MACRA that by that point, uh, we would have had developed 
some form of an alternative payment model. And that is a conversation that we continue to, to have about the availability of alternative payment models for physicians practicing in post-acute and long-term care settings. Uh, we have mentioned to CMS and uh, Center for Medicare uh, Innovation uh, that there are uh, opportunities for those working in post-acute care to um, participate meaningfully in these alternative payment models. And that is an issue that we need to address. And I think that would help uh, with complying with a lot of the macro provisions and perhaps not, not even um, reporting to MIPS, but uh, actually providing some meaningful services and, and being able to gain share and savings and, and do some of the things that are available and the flexibilities of an alternative uh, payment model rather than uh, MIPS. But, um, you know, if you're confused by all of that, we do have a practice group network that discusses all of those issues. Uh, and just so you know, AMDA is uh, at the table and we continue to comment on that. And I'm happy to, as always, to uh, answer any, any questions around that. Um, moving away from the, from the fee schedule, I want to highlight a couple of initiatives that EMDA has started that I think would be valuable for you all to know and, and to look at um, for more information. One is the Drive to Deeper Scribe. Um, this is an initiative that was, began, that was begun about a month or so ago uh, in conversations with many members and our chief medical officers and pharmacists and so on and so forth. This is a longstanding issue around polypharmacy and appropriate prescribing of medications and overuse of medications in the post-acute and long-term care setting. We know that you know a, a long-term care patient is on average on 12 medications and it's unclear which are necessary and which are not. Uh, and so the drive to deprescribe is really taking a hard look at um, how to evaluate, how to essentially deprescribe as talked about, but how to you know, appropriately prescribe and take away what is not necessary. Uh, there are webinars, um, they are sort of themed, uh, but I urge you to go to our website, paltc.org. Um, we have a lot of information um, and you know, we've had several meetings already that, that have brought nearly 300 folks um, on board. Uh, and so if you're not familiar with that initiative quite yet, uh, please uh, familiarize yourself and, and again, happy to answer any questions. The other initiative I want you to know about is uh, something we're calling Healing Together. Uh, and that is sort of the impact of COVID that has uh, been felt by direct care workforce, medical directors, anybody in the field. Uh, obviously, uh, there is some trauma to working and, and seeing the devastation that the virus has brought. I don't think anybody would have ever imagined or signed up for this, um, you know, in, in, in any sort of way. So it's important to address the sort of behavioral and the mental aspect. Uh, we know that even prior to the pandemic, physician and clinician burnout rates were at an all-time high, and unfortunately, even suicide rates uh, were on the rise. Uh, and I cannot imagine that during COVID, uh, either of those things has gotten any better. And um, what we're hoping is that the Healing Together campaign can provide an avenue, a platform, a forum uh, to come together to discuss tough topics um, around this issue and, and hopefully, as the title implies, uh, heal together uh, moving forward. Uh, we've already had, uh, I think, a kickoff webinar and we will continue to, um, to have more. Uh, as always, if you have questions around uh, our advocacy activities or any of our initiatives, I urge you to contact uh, myself uh, or anybody on the AMDA staff, um, and we will be uh, happy uh, to, uh, to give you that update uh, or answer any questions. Thank you all, uh, and I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you very much.
References from this podcast can be found at paltc.org slash policy.